while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. And as always, Marcus Farrow is here as well. And we have the Honorable John Mitchell, the Mayor of New Bedford, here with us for his second visit to the studio today. That's about right. right? It's just been a matter of hours. You know, <laughs> last time this happened, as you recall, I you know I put a pot roast in uh, <laughs> earlier in the day to have it ready for you guys later on. And, yes. uh, so I, you guys were in interest. I didn't do that this time. No. Uh, it's a, have nothing to offer. I knew that when you came in empty-handed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> next, next, next time I'll bring the drinks. <laughs> so, well, the liquor store's only right down the next door, John. You don't have enough. to go that far. I can run Holly over. Easy there. enough. So um, we're we we've got a few things that we wanted to talk to you about. You know, you're on Tim's. You're taking some uh, some calls and, and talking about some uh, some issues like the uh, like it's going to be cold this weekend. I think that's worth bringing up again. It is. Um, it is. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about no, that? No, thanks for bringing it up, right? Because it's in the way of a public service announcement. But that's that's the business I'm in, and honestly, it's really important to absolutely say something about it because it's just going to be exceptionally cold. It's going to hit um, suddenly. So we've had we just completed it what the, the second warmest January in the last century. Right, right? it was really warm, um, still kind of warm, and uh, in two days it will feel worse than January. On Friday night into Saturday morning will be you know, the coldest point here in New Bedford in the last five years, and okay. so it's happening out of the blue. Uh, people need to be aware of it, and so a lot can happen, right? If you go outside, if you've got any exposed skin, you're going to get frostbitten. Mm-hmm. Don't let your dog out um, or your pets out. Right. You know, just because they got a fur coat doesn't mean they can withstand minus five temperatures, right? right. There's a woman, Catherine, who calls regularly to Tim's show. She she reminded everybody, and I, I know you jumped on, and I think it's very important. Make sure yeah, you bring well, your animals in. In the call, she she reminded everybody about right. their pets, right? right. She, added, uh, she, she added to my, my public service announcement, which yes. is great. Uh uh, so yeah, you have to be careful. I, I would just just ask everybody if you got a neighbor who's especially who's elderly living alone, just check in on them. The, the one of the bigger things that we worry about when these things happen are uh, water main breaks. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, and there are other kinds of complications. So I was talking to Scott Kruger, the city's um, fire chief, today. But I said, mm-hmm. like, what do you guys worry about when when it gets this cold? He said, well, what happens? And this this wouldn't occur to to, to most folks, but you know, if there is a fire mm-hmm. because somebody's got the heat blasting, which is one, which is the normal thing to do when it's cold. Um, say a space heater, there's a fire. The fire department responds. They've got to like work hard just to make sure the the hoses yes. work and have to break it up and they have to leave them running so that the water's flowing through. But you'd say, well, okay, what's the big deal with that? Well, the big deal is that the water's got to go somewhere. It ends right. up pooling and it makes the surface in, both inside the structure as well as outside very slippery for firefighters. So they've got to put sand down and add a, uh, change your footwear, all this, all kinds of stuff, right? So. 
Um, so long way of saying that, uh, just take it seriously. The good news is that by Sunday, it's supposed to warm back up to right. what it has been, which is great from my standpoint. If there's no snow in the winter, that's that's good. We're not spending money on snow. God, put it in, let God take it away. Well, John Mitchell's famous quote to me, which I always loved. Yeah, yeah, I think I said that to you off you, the air. Because oh, <laughs> no, you said it on the air. No, 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 no. You said uh, but, it on, but, but, but you know, but yeah, it's um, uh, it costs us money, uh, and so like what I see, I tell my kids, I see that I see snowflakes, I see dollar signs. Yes, uh, I agree. So, yeah, so I'm glad it hasn't snowed. The other thing people have to do is open your pipes a little bit. Let it run out. Yeah, yeah, run, uh, the run. outside, the outside yeah. pipe. My uh, my condo uh, in East Fairhaven. I, it was a few years back when it was that cold. I remember I turned my kitchen sink on and it, no water came out, and I immediately panicked. Right, <laughs> I got right. really worried. Yeah. So I just left it on, and then it, later it, it came out. But if you don't, if you don't let your water run a little bit, depends on your insulation and all that. Yeah, you right. can you can you, get in trouble. That's the thing to do. Yeah, yeah. If you do have a break, I mean, the thing to do. Not everybody. I think most people know this, but not everybody. You go downstairs if you're, if you're in a house. You turn off the main valve, right? Yeah, and that's that. At least will stop the, the water from coming out. So that, that's that's what you have to be cognizant of. So, I want so to thanks for the opportunity to say something about yeah. that. Cause, yeah, you know, and bring in your homeless. Uh, yeah, so that's another thing. If you think you see somebody on the street who's not, you know, um, who's just out there hanging around when it's. Uh, when it's really cold, uh, let the police know so right. they can deal with it. We, have, we do, unfortunately, like every other city, have of course. many people who are out on the street who refuse to come in. Um, you know, that's never a good thing, but it's especially uh, troubling when, it's, when it gets this cold. Right. So one of the issues that uh, we wanted to talk with you about, and it's something we started to cover after um, your nominee to the Voc Tech School Committee, Carol Pimentel, was rejected in a five to four vote by the city council in the appointments and briefings. You had said um, that the chair, uh, Naomi Carney, had basically stalled that on purpose to have an opportunity to turn her down. And uh, it seemed as though, based on the, all the comments that the counselors gave, that the, re- the reason that those six counselors voted against her was due to the admissions policy. That's something you've led on statewide uh, to get those policies changed. Um, I guess the first question is, Are you gonna, when are you going to put another school committee member, uh, a nominee forward? Um, are they going to have the same position on admissions that you have? Well, as the fir- uh, as the first question, um, so Carol is... Uh, her nomination is in limbo. It okay. has not been. Okay. So you haven't either. withdrawn it. I have not withdrawn All it. Right. Okay. And of course, Pay as you guys well know, yep. there is a an election in Ward Three yes. that might determine the outcome ultimately of her candidacy. Um, yeah. You guys, because have had, Hugh, Hugh Dunn was for her. He was. Yeah. Right. right. So that would have made a difference. It make if we had. If Hugh Dunn was still on the council and had there been a full complement of counselors, my mm-hmm. understanding was that there would have been six votes in favor of her candidacy and she would have passed. So um, that may still play out, and okay. I will continue to make the public argument that um, that she is highly qualified. She is. She is, and that the council um, in its role to, uh, to advise and consent um, for nominees to city boards and commissions, uh, shouldn't their job isn't to say, well, you know, I'd rather have somebody else, right? Yeah. Right. 
Um, yeah, that's 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 not their job. Somebody job. younger, they said. Well, well, at least that, a couple well of there was said. there was there was that, yeah, right, right. which is totally inappropriate to mm-hmm. say that you know somehow she was too old for this. Well, okay, well how old was too old? Right. Um, it's just it's just a ridiculous comment. But all all that said, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's clear on where I stand with Volk admissions. Um, and I say this, and again, I couch this. I just want to make real clear. Um, is it's not a criticism of the school for which I have great respect. Mm-hmm. Lots of familial ties there. I was telling somebody recently, uh, I've said this a few times actually, I come to think of it, that um, you know, I th- look, think about my extended family in Greater New Bedford, I'd say the vast majority of them have gone to Vogue. Um, yeah. So it's not like you know, the school's foreign to me. It's not like I don't have a lot of respect for it. And it's a school whose mission I support. The problem is that there are kids who want to get into that school who are unfairly excluded from admission. Illegally and, excluded. Uh, yes. Perhaps, right? Yes. I mean, you've uh, been very clear about the mayor. Yeah, I think it's a civil rights suit in, right. in the making. I, 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 I hope people at home understand that you're ringing the bell here. You're, you're trying to explain to people that this has to change. Very rarely does do the municipality say that without having been forced. But you, you've recognized that you're trying to ameliorate a situation before the judges do it. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, yeah. And one of the uh, statistics you you typically cite is the number of uh, students who EL students, which is students who speak English as a second language and would need EL uh, courses uh, in school to um, to better learn uh, English. And you said that they're they're excluded at a disproportionately high rate as opposed to the total population uh, of the sending district. Right. Yeah, there, I think there is there's some serious disparities that the admissions policy creates so there's a disparity among um, special ed students Mm -hmm. Um, there are some racial disparities um, that you know could be explained away but they're still pretty um, striking Mm -hmm. Um, but the biggest disparity is has to do um, falls along the lines of of students with uh, whose first language is not english English language learners, ELs, right, as they're as they're called, right, and so most of them are Spanish speaking, though not all of them in in, in the city. And um, as it turns out, the admissions by virtue of the by dint of the admissions policy, mm-hmm. you have two high schools in the city, right? The one that has the the selective admissions policy that bases admission on attendance and on grades right and the other one that has to take everybody that's new bedford high so as between those two schools at new bedford high 30 percent of the student body are english language learners at voc it's three percent right mm-hmm. and new bedford accounts for about a little more than three quarters of the students at at voc so even if you adjust for the contributions of dartmouth and and um and fairhaven it still ends up you would it would extrapolate out to about 4%. So it's this enormous disparity. Right. And, you know, we've heard from the Volk um, administration in times past that, well, you know, you have, uh, you know, the numbers aren't right and, you know, they're a little off. And as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, Marcus, when we are talking about it, let's just assume that they are half Right, right, <laughs> right, right. It right. would still be, it'd still be a, fi- a factor of five disparity between the two schools. It's just so huge that, um, you know, I fear uh, it's, it's going to come home to roost at some point. It's going to be embarrassing to the school and to the city, yeah, and it shouldn't have to come to that. Well, the, the, I spoke with Superintendent Watson um, 
and some of his you know uh, some of his comments are are quoted in an article I wrote a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I read it. it was very well done. Thank you. Um, he said uh, he had said that uh, it's because they're applying at a at a lower rate and they're hope uh, at a lower rate than everybody else, and they're hoping that. Um, they're basically hoping that um, they're going to reach out to try to get more applicants. And they said, well, when we get more applicants, when we get the applicants to closer to where the general, uh, the other demographics applicant numbers are, then we'll we'll see whether or not the admissions policy is um, is discriminatory or not. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I'd, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, they have an extremely long way to go, and it's so long that it can't be explained away by you know, saying, well, we're not marketing well enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or that there are bar- barriers to marketing, right? Um, they, you know, Volk has done, uh, has uh, has been very intentional in its marketing over the years. It's spent a great deal of money with this radio station to market uh, right. itself to prospective applicants, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, it's, that's, that those, those efforts are not lost on them and they could be doing those uh, those 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 efforts in Spanish as as well. I don't know whether they are or not, but the word is out about New Bedford Volk and in the school system. It's not like people don't are unaware that that's an option, including students whose first language is not English. Mm-hmm. It's out there. They're in the school with everybody else, um, and uh, it, it's it, to my mind, it's just a way of uh, it's an, it's an excuse to use to just sort of push off what I think is should be the inevitable which is that we this thing go to a lottery which would be totally neutral and that mm-hmm. way there's you know if if there is still a disparity then well yeah maybe there is okay. a, a, a you know a, an awareness issue but you know all the kids in the school system have guidance counselors there are folks and guidance counselors who either speak spanish or translate into spanish and so that's it's not lost on on folks that Volk is an option, no matter what their language. So, John, as, as I li- have been listening to you in this, this conversation <clears throat> going on for a, quite a while now, um, what you're saying is Carol Pimentel is part of a local solution because if we're not a local solution, there very well may be a federal solution, some sort of court-imposed or, solution. Or, or, or a state solution, or, right? Or so, which is not good. Or it could be less no. good. No, you know, look, I mean, there is there are some structural impediments here. I mean, by, by that, I mean this. So, you know, I wish it were the case, right? So we have the city council that, you know, there are members of the city council who have been difficult on, on this issue, frankly. Um, and some of them with connections to Vogue, right? Well, express uh, connections to Vogue. I mean, Naomi, have, Car- he, he, Naomi Carney was pretty unabashed about it when she was here with yes, me. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that, yeah. that is correct, yeah. yeah. So, so there's that. But even let's just say all four members of the vote board of the eight that I, of the four of the, the total eight, I, the, I appoint four all vote in favor of going to a lottery. That still doesn't make a majority. And there's a problem right there, right? Mm-hmm. So New Bedford has four, four of the eight votes, even though it has more than three quarters of the students. Okay. So that's, that's a, that was a problem at, from the start, right? Um, so there's, there's that. And then there's Desi, right? Which has, put its head in the sand on this for years because after all it's not just new bedford vote new bedford vote is um stands out for its disparities for and admitting one of five students, schools right? right but there are others diamond vote over in fall rivers another one really? there are there are a handful of others around the state uh that have 
really significant disparities. It was a letter I wrote for Mass, the Mass Mayors Association letterhead two years mm-hmm. ago. I think we forwarded that. You did that that to you, which which depicts in a chart some of the schools where the disparities are most glaring. Um, so it is a statewide issue, and as such, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, to my mind, has a role to address it, and they have failed to do that. They've known about it for years. We put a lot of pressure on them to address it. We being virtually every mayor in the state and some legislators, they uh, came up with a new set of rules that, in effect, said um, you have to, you, the Volk schools, have to do something that's more neutral, we, but we will leave it to you to figure that out, and then we'll we'll approve or disapprove your, your policy. So they've done that for a couple of years now, yeah. and they, they're still having problems because they're, they have proven, they, Desi, have proven themselves unwilling to make some hard decisions. Well, I think in those Desi standards, too, I read them, there's a catch-all, too, right? It's basically, there's like an escape hatch. It's saying, unless these qualifications have substantially relate to the programming offered to Volk, which is pretty arbitrary, you can say, for example, um, oh, well, if they're late, you know, people might show up late to their jobs. That's actually what Superintendent Watson had said to me um, when I when I spoke with him. He goes, well, we want people who are, you know, who don't have a, a history of tardiness. Um, and to that to that point, they have a, a what they're what they're calling a qualified lottery uh, in the and I watched the school committee meeting. One of the uh, one of the Dartmouth members said they're attacking us. Desi's attacking us. And um, they said on the front end, they're going to have these, you know, these standards for for students. There's going to be a qualified lottery. And then the, at the, the back end, the, the other half is going to be selected criteria. What's your thoughts on that um, reform that they've that they've or yeah, attempted reform? Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've said this before. It, uh, it's weak tea. Mm-hmm. So what? So by qualified. So what they've done is, as, as you described in your piece, is they've they they are now splitting the class in two, right? And the first two hundred something, two sixty five or whatever it is, yeah. uh, would be admitted by, as you said, a qualified lottery. So you ask, well, what 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 does that mean? Well, it means that you don't get a lottery ticket if you've been chronically absent in mm-hmm. middle school, right? So you don't get into the lottery at at all, um, and then. The second half of the class would be admitted by through an admissions process that is very similar to what is in place now. You don't so yeah. you're evaluated based on attendance and on and, grades. It's a little softer, but it's still uh, grades admissions. are in the qualified lottery too. So it's it's still uh, so it's, it's so they're still yeah. so they're still trying to preserve the status quo, right? Yeah. And and the and the the attendance criterion is a proxy for academic performance because as we all know. If a kid's not showing up to school, the kid's not going to get good grades. Right. We all know this, right? It's yes. not, there's no, you don't have to be an educational expert to, to know that. And so it, to me, it's just, you know, it, it's just plain to see what, what they're up to. They're, t- they're clinging to a status, to the status quo, and they're clinging to that status quo so that they can get better performing students in school. And this idea that somehow, you know, at a, at a vocational school, it's more important. It's more important in a vocational school to have a good attendance record than in a, and then in a comprehensive high school. It makes no sense to, of course to me at all. What, what, of course. You, you, you need to show up to school regardless of what the school's correct. Right, right. Well, and not only that, uh, I think it, it puts forward this. And, note. You know, and I hate to be sick. so. I, I, you know, a, I, I'm the mayor of everybody, right? And, that, every, and everybody is saying, so it pains me. All this pains me to to criticize the administration and that and the board of that school. Doesn't pay me to criticize Desi. I do that a lot, but 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 our our <laughs> yeah. our folks uh, at at, at Volk, many and I have a lot of friends on that board. 
um, it pains me to criticize them like this, but I, I honestly I think they've they've really dropped the ball, and mm-hmm. I and I and I have to point that out because not only the the kids in the school, um, you know, I'm the mayor of the kids in the school. I'm also the kids, uh, uh, the mayor of the kids who have been unfairly denied admission. Right. So if Carol, Pum- but what you're identified as Carol Pimentel as a, as a potential answer to at least some of the problem to changing the comp- composition of the board. So now she's stuck in the city council. Yeah. What are we? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to continue to advance her candidacy, and um, you know we have Kim Betancourt on the board. What about Ubering Baptiste to the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever, so, whatever so it takes. The, the other, the, the one thing I wanted to make a point on is that I, I this is what I. It seems to advance this notion like chronic absence and all this it seems to advance it's ironic this. that chronic absence by the way, it, is the issue right yeah but there, you Isn't know that kind of ironic <laughs> think about you think of, everybody listen to this to think about your 13 year old or 14 year old yeah. self right yeah, that's exactly like, it right and how you know you may not if you look back on it you may have done things a little bit differently yes. you can also <laughs> say that, right just, let's just leave it yeah. at that right yeah so um and there are lots of kids. We have lots of kids in the city. We have lots of kids, including a lot of immigrant kids, who work on the side, even in the middle school age, mm-hmm. right? Who do a little extra, right? For whatever. Do they shovel snow, by the way? Because I'm looking for one of those kids. But anyway, go ahead. Snow anymore, <laughs> right? They don't, right? But um, but, um, but there's 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 that. There are kids who. I mean, I've just heard. This, you know, we've heard. You hear stories of kids who, you know, have lost a parent. And they were in a bad way, understandably, mm-hmm. at, at a young age. And so they don't you know, have, they miss school. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, to my mind, uh, you, you, you got to give, you can't be so uh, bright lined about, about yeah. these things. And so, and the result of their being bright lined about it is, you know, they've left literally thousands of kids out for no legitimate educational purpose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's basically saying, like you said, that like the things you do when you're 12 and 13 years old, yeah, the things that you do when you're 12 and 13 years old should, I guess, foreclose you from educational opportunities that could help you for the rest of your life. It's terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. We're here with Mayor Mitchell until uh, 8 o'clock, so stay tuned. Download the W... Um, I'm Marcus Farrow. He's Chris McCarthy. We're here with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. So um, I think we've discussed that, the Vogue topic. Uh, I think we've covered all the bases on that, unless there's anything else you want to add to it. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the the proposal by the new sheriff, uh, Paul Harrow, um, to close Ash Street and relocate it to Dartmouth. I know you, you voiced some concerns. Well, I did... Um I voiced some concerns. Uh, it's not to say that um, I'm against closing the jail. Uh, it's it's look it as a public facility that was built in 1886. I'm trying to think who was president at the time. Maybe uh, John Chester Arthur, John Quincy Adams. No, in 18 no no no, 18, no, no, no. 18, oh. 1880 1888. Well, uh, the new oh. facility. Let's see. It was either it, no, it was it might have been Grover Cleveland. Might have been Grover Cleveland. So. It was around the same time Chester Arthur Grover Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. So look, so, I mean, we, we, yeah. Bedford had this has had this dubious distinction of how like the, the oldest facilities uh, right. of many sorts of any city in Massachusetts. So we had the oldest stock of, and I got an oldest stock of fire stations, right. stock of police stations, and um, we had the uh, 
oldest stock of elementary schools, and of course the oldest So we've got about. So I told we've been replacing these things. We just when we built the uh, the, the uh, public safety facility in the South End and opened that up a couple of years ago. One of the two stations it replaced was um, Station Six on Purchase Street, which was built in 1886, so a little bit older than the, 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 the jail. Street so I jail. get it. You, yeah. These things don't last forever. They've got to be replaced, and it, and it probably is appropriate to to figure out. Um, what to do next with that facility and yeah there aren't too many like rebuilding it on the site is probably not an option so i totally get it i I just didn't hear a plan i learned about his intentions in the media yeah so So did everybody else yeah Yeah. right so yeah i I, I didn't but we knew about it first you knew well well, i knew about it first and then well, you know, that, apparently he'd said it elsewhere, but I just knew what to do with it. No, I, I learned about the media, so I'm right. like, oh, that's yeah. nice. So it was just announced that uh, uh, he's going to close this major facility in the middle of my city. And I'm like, gee, it would be nice to know about that. Yeah. Right? So I, I I was asked for comment. I'm like, I, it may be the the right thing to do. It may not be. But, like, right. you got to talk about the neighborhood. you got to talk about what the, the lockup for the – it serves as, as, as you guys know, yeah. the lockup for – our police department and other uh, police departments, uh, it's uh, it's there, there may be you know reuse issues, there may be environmental is- issues there, and by the way, um, in order to replace it uh, and by building something else in, on Fonts Corner Road, um, that's going to cost something. That the money's going to come from the state, yeah. and so we have a certain set of asks from the state, like Correct. court facilities. This city needs a new courthouse in a bad way, as you well, yeah, we regional had, justice center. Tony on yeah. right. So uh, and and other things. And guess what? That jail is probably not near the top of the list. You know, I, so that's just so I, I'm just. I, it, may, it make it probably makes sense. Like, yeah, it's an old jail. We've got to replace it at some point, but. Um, at what I, need to, I need to understand what what the plan is before you, you can get my support for my, it. My whole thing with the capital expenditures, and I think it's a, a bit too naive and pie in the sky, is that it should be a Bristol County issue. Like people from New Bedford to Dartmouth, all the way to Mansfield, should be arg- uh, should be advocating for it. But I guess the practical reality is, is one of those legislatures needs to file an earmark, and so that's going to be part of a pool of money for things that, like you said, other other port development. Well, it comes like out of, it'll come out of the state capital budget, so it won't be in, like. The earmarks they do are in the, the at most, well, six figures, right? They're all right. under a million dollars. Yes. The facility they have to build is going to be in the tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's getting, so it will be a choice be- of priorities as between a brand new regional courthouse, which we need more desperately than so, anywhere in the so state. So badly. Um, Port facilities that you know we've been building lots of them now, and that's been a big success. But yeah. there's still more to be built. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're if we are to compete well in all the maritime industries we want to compete in, so that's a big one. Uh, you know, like we we've been talking about the uh, what we're calling the Massachusetts Marine Innovation and Marine Energy Innovation Center, which is something that um, you know I've been working on for a couple of years now. That's going to be another big expense. So these are things that we're trying to advance, and like so, a, a new jail, and, and by the way, new schools. Um, so uh, this, is, as priorities go, this is probably not at the top of the list. But you know, look, I want to support, I want to support the construction of a new jail at some point. Obviously, Ash Street's old and should should be replaced when when uh, when it, its time comes. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a that, that's a very I think. 
What I'm hearing from other people involved in this decision making is I shouldn't have learned it from the media. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I, think I, that, I, that, I that's, that's very myself, legitimate criticism. I right. from my, from in the media, right. no offense against members of the media like you guys. No, 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 no. I, I mean, it's a legitimate point, a very legitimate point, and that also it's a it's a lot of money, and it does compete against other priorities. That's just it's uh, just a reality, right? So we're speaking with Mayor Mayor John Mitchell. Uh, tell you what, we'll take a break yeah. now, and then we'll, we'll be back. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. If you're shot. They know the local issues from the inside out, and they call it like they see it. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow are back with more South Coast Tonight on WBSM. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, we're with, laughing way too much off. Of this, so. <laughs> <laughs> what dastardly plot are they scheming now? <laughs> so, um, so uh, uh, we're here with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. You- so, Mayor, as cold as it out is out right now, we are coming. We'll be coming into the spring and the summer seasons are really the high point for New Bedford, right? Right. Um, the tourism piece, all of that, starts to come together. What are your thoughts looking forward? Because this winter's, we know. History's taught us it doesn't last forever, right? And we're going to have a beautiful... No, look, tomorrow's Groundhog Day. So, there we go. You know, we're keeping our eye on Puxatani Phil right. uh, to, so that we can plan out our entire you know, tourism season. Right? Um, no, at, look, it, it's, um, it, there's, 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 there's going to be a lot of activity this summer, right? So we're planning out you know, more concerts still mm-hmm. like we had last year. You will see likely still some more restaurant openings. You will um, you can see a ton of people in town associated with the Vineyard Wind Project. Right. You see a beehive of activity uh, on the waterfront. Just lots lots of stuff going on, and you know construction projects happening. So um, you know, and more work to beautify the city. You know, we're we're ramping up. You know, the landscaping in certain areas, the tree plantings and all that. So we want to continue. We're, this is a multi-year effort to make the city look nicer, to create to placemaking that it brings people into That you'll the continue city. into your next term? No, I was going to say. <laughs> sure. you know, so wait, see how you guys are going to right, ask right, this. Right. I knew you'd do it subliminally. Right, right, right. So I told you to if people walk play you your it. podcast backwards, they'll hear it. <laughs> I buried Paul. Right? <laughs> so so um, one of the things actually I wanted to uh, ask you about was the, uh, the, the conference of, uh, the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Um, you were there in D.C a couple weeks ago or a week ago i don't know time blends together now but yeah, um, yeah, two weeks ago now yeah. so uh you um what, what's sort of you know you're very involved in that um what do you th- why do you think it's important to be so involved in the u.s conference of mayors well so new bedford mayors have been involved in the u.s Con- conference of mayors for decades so mm-hmm. it's nothing new um uh, and i think like my predecessors, I think I've recognized that it can help New Bedford get grants. It can it can help New Bedford. Uh, it can help the mayor talk about issues with other mayors and get. Who's some the worst ideas. mayor there? Everybody just looks at that guy, man. Jazel's yeah. <laughs> not there. Jazel's not. Jazel's in New Hampshire, so he's not there anymore. Yeah, he's, he's not there anymore. Um, There's got to yeah. be a guy, though. Oh my god, that guy. <laughs> I've been supporting. You know, there, there are there are some. You know, it, it is interesting. Over the years, it, you hear about. You know, there are certain mayors, and I don't think it's as true these days. With you know, you, you don't hear like the. 
Yeah, that the, the Jesus story was stood out nationally, right? But mm-hmm. and, but there have been some others, and it, it was end up being surprised, like oh, like why the hell did they did they did he or she do that? It's usually he's, but not always, right? Do you know the mayor of New Orleans by chance? I do, Latoya Cantrell. Yeah, yeah. she's having a blast down there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't think she's in. Well, do, do you I, know? I, I, I know her. Do I know you know her. the Cincinnati? I know her. I know her. I know her. Yeah, the, the, the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati know, yeah. mayor that had to eat a whole bunch of crow because he had uh, issued a, a proclamation that um, Joe Burrow is Pat Mahomes' father. Did you, you know him at all? Aftab Purveil. I do know him. Yeah, yeah, I do know him. Yeah, he, what did he do? He 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 issued a proclamation um, from like an official proclamation, and he read it from the desk uh, of the uh, Cincinnati mayor. Uh, whereas Arrowhead Stadium is now Burrowhead Stadium. Whereas uh, Patrick uh, Joe Burrow. Um, is the father of Patrick Mahomes and this whole thing. And then they, you know, everybody immediately after he issued that statement got on him about it, and then they lost. <laughs> and so right. he got called out by Travis Kelsey and by Pat Mahomes after the game. Oh, and, I, saw, I heard that yeah. at the end of the game. I didn't make the connection. Yeah. So yeah. He, he prompted. Yeah, I know Aftab. You know, nice guy, um, capable guy. Um, Brutal way to crystallize your defining political moment, I think. Yeah, yeah uh, you know he's he's a capable guy. I think he'll he'll do he'll do okay. Um, do you want to issue any proclamations? He won. I mean, just so no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I do know a lot of mayors. You know, in the case of Cincinnati, it's interesting that the uh, there was another guy there um, who was supposed to was like the heir apparent. His name was P.J. Sittenfeld. Sattenfeld. I knew a little bit because he was involved in this other group that i am a member of and uh a very capable guy but he got he got i mean just i mentioned it because it was, it was a corruption case he got hooked up in some campaign finance scandal and he's going to jail right and he's, he's like That's princeton grad and he's just a very um you know has a very very great resume and he just totally blew it so that opened opened it up for aftab to run who's you know a capable guy. so cincinnati i know cincinnati um, but anyway, so what it does... Di- you know, digression, on, tangent, yeah. Tangent, yeah, so people are listening to this, like, why are they talking about Cincinnati, right? Right. Uh, but, but so I, what I do get out of it is I get the opportunity. I think there are two two big benefits. One is, you know, I do talk, mayors do talk about stuff. I don't learn a lot these days, as much as I used to, by going to, you know, sort of a how-to session to learn best practices, right? Okay. I don't get as much out of that. What I do get a lot of, and I take copious notes on this stuff, is when I'll talk to mayors about something that's going on, or they'll talk in New Bedford, or they'll talk about something that's going on in their city, and then light bulbs go off. And it's not like they'll say, well, you uh, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's just like in the act of talking it through, right. it jogs something, right? It triggers something. And so that's I, I, that I find very useful. The other thing... You know, because it's a lonely job, after all, right? So, of course, so you have all these people yeah. with lonely jobs in the room. They can talk the same lonely job in the same room. They right? Might actually, you know, have some ideas to exchange. So there's that. The other Plus, thing is, Jigel just, only has so much time on the phone these days, so you yeah, can't right, really call right. him, <laughs> right? But the other thing, uh, the other thing it does is it offers New Bedford a, a platform. So, you know, I mentioned earlier the panel I had, the offshore wind panel I had with all those, you know, the head of, you know, the the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management and those CEOs. Yeah. Um, we get to do that because of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, and it becomes this platform to project what New Bedford's doing to enhance New Bedford's stature and brand. And so that alone is worth you know my time and you know the price of admission. Let's take one more break so we can finish out the hour strong here with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. 
14. Up uh, briefly. We're with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell, of course, Marcus Farrell, Chris McCarthy. Tim Tim did that eight hours ago. Tim did, <laughs> Tim did that eight hours the ago. The news cycle's moved on. A new cycle, <laughs> yep. And so um, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, are you you talked about the Morad pay raises and your, uh, your willing, your, you want to, you want to rein those in a little bit more because they were fifty percent or fifty thousand dollars for three positions that um, uh, that you didn't think were was necessary. You said basically it was because the city council particularly liked one person. They went down to twenty five percent. You still think those more ed pay raises need to be reined in? Um, when do you think you're going to uh, put something forward to the city council? Well, I'd like to do it soon. We're, we're looking at all of um, at what shook out from the city council because it, it just people should understand there are dozens of positions that were uh, affected overall there's a sure. long spreadsheet so we're yeah, trying yeah. to do this in a methodical way mm-hmm. so um so the work's underway and i would think i mean i'd like to do it by the end of this month right although the month just started but but yeah i don't want to wait too long to uh, to get to, to the work the work started i want to try to move it along and again may I- just to and, and, by, and by the way, it's it's uh, you know I, I think in the long run the city should have um, a mechanism to deal with pay competitiveness and fairness that is um, automatic. Uh, many cities have in their city codes a provision that says you know there shall be a committee every three years to evaluate um, the competitiveness and fairness of the non-union. Um, the non-union positions and the uh, pay for non-union positions in the city, and so then that there's a composition of that committee, and and they come out, they hire a consultant, the consultant does its study, and then it's just presented to the city council for an up or down vote. That's the way it happens. Boston just did it a few months ago. That's just one example. I think we need something like that so that we don't end up in this, you know, this this whole thing about who deserves money and who's a friend of of whom and and you know who's really undertaking this analysis in, a, in an objective way right i i'd rather it, it, we we don't we don't have to have this process at all we have something that's that's a that's frankly a little more neutral so mayor just so people understand because i think we've been going over this for a long time now because it's an important issue but you originally went out and did a study yes. you had facts on your side well, that, yeah, that was the city point. council yeah. did not do and a we, compete, they didn't did, do a competing study though. No, and we had done right. we had done the same thing five years before, right? right? And five years is frankly a long time. The, the the market for a number of positions had changed, and so it needed to be refreshed. But yeah, we just gone out, went out and did a did a study, and I think that's the best by a third party, and that's the best way to do it. You made a mention on Tim's show, not to this is the cliff notes of Tim's show. You have to listen to Tim's show, but you ought to. About I, I was I was I was concerned that I was going to say exactly the same. Thing. <laughs> well, I think you'd be concerned if you didn't say the same things, right? Well, a little bit of both, right? right? But I just for everybody who's been listening all day long, they'd be like, "Oh, there he goes again, He's saying the same <laughs> stuff." Yeah. But your issues on manpower, once again, trying to recruit and retain employees—it's a big problem. Yeah. All all across, particularly in your public safety issue, your, your, the um, I'm thinking police here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's an issue. I think it's an issue it's for a lot of cities. It's a it's an issue for a lot of cities. Yeah, we have uh, we have over thirteen hundred uh, non school employees in city government. Right, the school system's bigger. 
uh, of the 1,300, we have over 250 vacancies right now. So summer union positions, the most pronounced gaps are in the police department and the Department of Public Infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very concerned about those. And then, then we have a whole lot of non-union positions, including fairly senior management that have been vacant because, and in large part because we don't have you know, pay enough. Uh, so we're trying to get more pay competitive across the board, but the union employees are trying to negotiate things out there to make that happen. Um, and with the non-union folks that we've, we've been doing this this pay compensation analysis, right, that we've been talking about for a while now. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a combination of, you know, having to be pay competitively. There's also the pressures of the so-called great resignation. Yeah. Municipal government's not Isn't it called, like, that. the silver something, too? I was trying to think about – I was, like, musing a lot on, uh, off air. I was, like, the silver – I don't know, whatever. Well, we'll there's, just, there's a lot of people have just – the pandemic prompted – a lot of people to, to reflect on where their lives are and so yeah. and so forth, and they've made career changes in light of what they've determined, and so there's there's a lot of that going on as as we know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and then there's just people who are just completely checked out of the workforce. They're just demographic shifts, right? The baby boomers are retiring. Right. And that mm-hmm. was a big uh, demographic cohort. There's, so that there's some of that as well. But it's I, I wish it had. It hasn't bounced back in the way I would have hoped, uh, say, like a year ago. But you, you're you not thinking of yourself as checked out or as making a career change, are you? <laughs> Gee, wow. wow. I almost did the I, same thing. Wow. I almost did the same thing. Wow. I have a lot of energy. Just can't you look at it? Here I am. I'm missing Jeopardy. I'm no, no. <laughs> I will, I will. Listen, folks. No, to be honest, Marcus and I sometimes attempt to book a lot of elected officials and John is always available for us. Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Nothing, I'm not doing anything. No, else. come on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kicking back, Chris. <laughs> no, no, but you, you are still very much engaged. You do have a lot of things you still want to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I think you text me at all kinds of odd hours right. when I respond. So, yeah, you know, you say, I think you just do that just to check in. Just to check in, attention. right? <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't shut off my motor. <laughs> but there are things that have to be accomplished, have to be finished, right? There are a lot of stuff. It, it, the, the work never ends. It never, like the city never stops. Um, it never sleeps, would you? It never sleeps, never stops. There's always stuff. To say, and there's a lot of opportunity right now, I believe, in New Bedford that has to be captured and can only be captured with a real focus and planning and, um, you know, like a some willingness to, will, willingness to uh, like stick with it. <laughs> the, the one thing I've noticed. But on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, he could be watching Jeopardy right now, folks. Could All be right. watching Jeopardy. So, um, so one like quick thing I wanted to mention. Um, I saw you at the Vineyard Wind Jobs Fair. Yes, uh, and uh, you seemed um, you were filling visi- out an application. You were vi- <laughs> <laughs> I was distributing my resume. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you. What I was going to say is that's why you're so visibly elated. <laughs> he was. He was so happy. You see the welding mask in the back of his car. I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> John's well, invoke over there, learning how to weld <laughs> and getting over his fear of heights. So so. Uh, uh, New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell, appreciate you coming on. Um, we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank That's you. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Stay tuned. Chris and I will be here until 10 o'clock. So uh, we'll see you on the other side of the 8 o'clock news. Stay tuned.